Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Live. My name's Father Tim Smith. And I am Chris Euler. And we're glad to be here in the Upper Midwest proclaiming the truth of our Catholic faith and seeing the good things that the Holy Spirit is doing in the hearts and minds of God's faithful on earth. And before we begin the show today, Chris, it's only right and just that we turn our thoughts and our voices and our hearts to God and ask Him to bless our time together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father in heaven, we ask that you would bless us as we begin this week in service to you, as we go about our duties in our states of life, in our vocations as teachers, as those who live the gospel in our hearts. We ask that you would bless all our listeners, all our families, all our parishes and communities, that our hearts would be set on fire with your love, and we would be witnesses to your truth to all those we meet. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Chris, we have a great show lined up this morning, and let's touch base with Aaron up north and get a look at what's on the show today. Aaron. Thank you very much, Father. We do have a great show lined up today. We have Bishop Paul Swain of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. He'll be here with us to talk about the beauty of praying for the sanctity of human life. Then Father will be here for taking your questions on the faith during Straight Talk. Also hear about two Roncalli intercessors and a fun upcoming event. After that, we'll hit the road for the 10-minute tour of local events, hear more from the Director of Mission in the Diocese of Duluth, and hear more about the reasons certain books and textbooks are approved by the Catholic Church. All this right here on Real Presence Live. Right back to you guys. Thanks, Aaron. And uh, this morning, to our listeners, we're broadcasting live from Sacred Heart Parish in Aberdeen, South Dakota, in the northern part of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, really at the very center of our Real Presence Radio family. If you look at the map for where all the Real Presence Radio goes, we're at the very center right here in the heart of South Dakota. And Chris, I'm glad you're with us today. There's so many great things that are happening in the local church here. How do you participate in the life of the church here oh, absolutely. in Absolutely. Well, so I'm actually I'm a member here at Sacred Heart. My wife and I attend here with our three-month-old son, Blaze. So we uh, participate here. Uh, we're active in our community life. I'm a Eucharistic minister. I lecture here at church. Um, and also we just, like I said, the community aspect of things. We, we spend time you know, after Mass, during the week, just being a part of our parish. Um, but I'm also, I teach at Ron Colley. I am uh, the campus minister there as well, and so I get to work with our uh, the youth of Aberdeen uh, on a daily basis and get to hopefully be a, a wonderful example and lead them to Jesus and challenge them and have a great opportunity to raise our young people to be missionary disciples of Jesus Christ. And what a beautiful witness it is, and especially you in family life. There's so many great Catholic families in our listening area, whether you're in North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, in our listening areas in Wyoming and Wisconsin. 
the Lord is doing something beautiful in family life in the church and especially in the witness of you and your wife and your child as well as all our families that gather together. Ron Colley High School is a local Catholic high school here yes. in Aberdeen and for those listeners who may not know the name Ron Colley, Chris, where does that come from, the, the Ron Colley name? Ron Colley, so the name of Ron Colley comes from uh, the formerly known Cardinal Angelo Ron Colley who is also former, well, currently known as our Saint John the Twenty Third, so he was uh, the Pope that kicked off the Second Vatican Council um, in the early '60s, and when he was elected Pope, was the year that Roncalli opened, if I if I believe so, and so uh, that is where the name Roncalli comes from, and so he is our namesake, he is our patron. Um, and we just live, he was a very joyful man, and so our goal is to live the faith joyfully, but with the great truth and great fervor that he desired to live it as he brought forth this, this Vatican II and the, the changes that he desired. And so uh, that's where Ron Colley comes from. That's awesome. A giornamento, that mm -hmm. opening the window and letting the, the light of the, uh, the love of the Lord shine into the hearts of the church. You know, when I was in seminary, Chris, I had a group of seminarian friends. We called ourselves the John the 23rd Society, and that's what we would do is we would go out and have a big meal. Because uh, St. John the 23rd was a man of great largesse. And, yes. Uh, he had <laughs> so we would joke and say, we're going to go out and have a big meal in honor. Of, and we would, at the end of our meal prayer, we would say, St. John the 23rd, pray for us. And then Absolutely. we would dig in for, for all the courses of wonderful meals. But we're, well, we're grateful for his witness, and I happen to know that our own bishop here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls attended seminary at St. John the 23rd Seminary. And we're grateful today that this morning that we are going to be joined by our very own bishop, Bishop Paul Swain. Bishop Swain, are you with us this morning? I am. I hope. And Bishop, as I mentioned, John the 23rd Seminary, I'm sure you have fond memories <laughs> of your time studying there in Massachusetts. Uh, was it a good experience for you? Well, absolutely. It's, it's a seminary that's dedicated to second career vocations to the priesthood. And, and so it had a special, started about the time uh, John the 23rd became Pope as well. And so it was, there were, in those days, not many seminaries would, would welcome older guys like me uh, to, to, to study for the priesthood. And uh, so I had that special mission that still does. It's flourishing right now uh, in, in the Boston area, although it's a national seminary. And so, I, of course, I have great, great uh, remembrances of, of that time and life-changing experiences for me personally. Well, there's so many great alumnus from St. John the 23rd Seminary. I know the, the associate priest here, uh, Father Patrick Grody, is also a graduate. Right. And, and like you, he had a, had a law degree and work experience in doing legal work prior to entering the priesthood. But he, I believe even Bishop Groose, former bishop of Rapid City, also was alumnus. And so it's such a great witness when we see um, people who are willing to follow Christ and leave everything, drop their nets, and follow Jesus. And uh, so what a beautiful witness it is. And thank you, Bishop Swain, for being that, that example to us of someone who's willing to risk it all to follow Jesus. Well, when God calls, it's hard to say no, although it's sometimes slow and responsive. Well, it's always one thing, you know, to tell somebody what to do, but if you can be a witness to another person and, and really take the gospel seriously, you know, 
being a witness is really the heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Bishop, can you kind of speak to what it means to be a witness to the gospel in our world today? Well, you know, there's a there's an old adage: I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Hmm. And, and it's, it's it's really a reminder that the most important, the most effective influence we have on others is by personal witness, not just talking. Although that's important too, um, help people along their own journey. But we have to live it ourselves. We don't live it. Whatever we say doesn't have any real meaning, and so it's important that we that we witness with our own lives, even though sometimes it's inconvenient, um, what we really believe. And uh, and that's really what Jesus did. You know, he didn't condemn anybody. He, did, you know, he, he just witnessed and moved people to follow him. And that's, that's what we're called to do uh, in our role within the Church. You know, to be a good witness is to be a good example. And especially in the world today, uh, in areas of human dignity and human life, um, there are opportunities uh, to be an example for the dignity of human life and be a witness in the public square in many different places, um, as in family life, as Chris was speaking about with his wife and raising their family, um, but also for us, even in institutions that maybe are a challenge to the dignity of human life. You know, in our own area, we have a facility of Planned Parenthood in the city of Sioux Falls, and one thing that you do as a public witness is once a month you have been praying there throughout your time as a bishop um, and praying and, and for a respect for human life and the protection of the unborn at a place that threatens and takes the life of the unborn. Bishop, why did you start making this witness all those years ago? Well, part of it was out of my own personal belief. Before my conversion experience that led me to the church and to the priesthood, I just kind of viewed abortion as a political issue. I, I didn't quite recognize that there are lives at stake, both both the unborn child, but also suffering mothers who need to be loved and nurtured and encouraged. And so part of it was just I needed to do something. But back in those days, this, I, I've done this for over 12 years. I'm not proud of that because it means we still need to do it. Um, but part of it was I was very concerned about some of the developments in the pro-life movement that were becoming a little violent, a little confrontational, when my goal was to say, okay, let's, let's give an opportunity for us to come together and to pray. The praise is not confrontational. Praise is to the, our Lord. And, uh, and, and so that's it just seemed the right thing to do. Um, and uh, we're ca- very careful what we do. We pray the rosary, depending on the day of the week. We're there Tuesday, Tuesday, which is a sorrowful mystery, and the litany for life. Um, and it, it, it only takes about a half an hour, the time we're there, but it is, I think it's a wonderful witness. We're along a very busy highway street here in Sioux Falls. A lot of people past the skies. Some wave, some give other gestures as we, mm-hmm. uh, as, we um, as we continue our, you know, our prayer. But mm-hmm. prayer is the focus. As Lord, you know, 
help those who are, who are caught up in this kind of uh, sad uh, experience to recognize the values in the life. So, Bishop, as you've been praying there as well, um, it's in it's so important and so beautiful to have your witness. And so why do you think it's important for you as the bishop to be there on the front lines? Well, obviously, the bishop has a teaching role. One of the more important things is the teacher role of the bishop. But again, it's the public witness. Okay, I'm going to invest some time. It's not a terrible sacrifice. Um, but it is a public witness of my personal belief, but also my personal belief is, is, the, is the belief of Jesus Christ, what he taught us and continues to teach us through his church. And so to, to have that public role um, is important to others. And even though not everyone can come and join us, you know, we, we publicize this every month. This is when I'm going to be there. Come and join us if you can. If you can't, Pray privately yourself, but it raises up, I, I hope, uh, in a special way, the importance of the sanctity of all human life, uh, both for the unborn and, and for mothers who are sometimes caught in, in very difficult situations. Hmm. Thank you for tuning in to Real Presence Live. My name's Father Tim Smith, and I'm here with Chris Euler. And our guest this morning is Bishop Paul Swain of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And we're speaking about leading by example, being a public witness. And we've just been speaking about uh, being a witness in front of uh, the Planned Parenthood and during the pro-life movement. And, and our guest this morning is Bishop Paul Swain. Bishop, can you s speak to this uh, idea of being steadfast and patient in prayer as others stand outside month after month? And in fact, even years, many have prayed in front of facilities that are a threat to the dignity of human life. We heard in the gospel just yesterday about being persistent in prayer, knock and the door will be open to you. And of course, our father Abraham in faith was saying, Lord, what if there's 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 20 people? You know, that witness in the scriptures of us continuing to, you know, ask the Lord, Bishop, as you have been at this activity for all these years, how can we stay steadfast in prayer, even amidst as things keep happening in our world? Well, we need to keep focused on the individual life at stake. Now, if one person is saved, one unborn child is saved and is born to be a productive member of the community, that's, that's a beautiful thing. We don't know what the result's going to be. And prayer isn't about um, being applauded or being successful. It's about being faithful, as Mother Teresa so often said. Mm. And so you just keep at it knowing God, God's part of it all. And uh, it's just important to be consistent because that sends a message to others as well. You know, this isn't a, a once-in-a-lifetime or common goal. This is, this is a, a, a persistence that doesn't wear God down, but may change others' lives. Well, absolutely. It's change them and save them and help them to become converted and to turn their heart to what it means to be 
pro-life and to be pro-human dignity. And in one of the events that uh, our diocese has been doing as well as the Life Chain event. Um, and there's another one coming up this August 20th. And so uh, to encourage others to come join you and pray in front of Planned Parenthood, um, what would you say to them and what challenges would you offer unto them? Well, I think just invite anybody, because it's just being there really is, is can change individual lives. It's never been there. It's really kind of a um, sad experience as you look at the environment, and yet, and yet it's a, it's a very active community around there. And so, uh, one thing that prayer does, particularly persistent prayer, is it changes us uh, as well as others, and uh, that's a good thing. But you got to keep at it. Got to keep at it, and. Uh, um, and so I just invite anybody who has the opportunity, and if you can't be there, join in your own way. Um, so I, I just encourage anybody who can come out. On August is a greater time to be there than January or February. <laughs> but, uh, but we were there in January and February, too. And, and that, again, that's an important witness. Well, Bishop, thank you for leading us by example in your, your steadfast devotion and uh, willingness to pray and be a witness to the dignity of human life. And for all our in, in, uh, listeners, I invite you to consider joining Bishop Paul Swain as he prays in front of Planned Parenthood on West 41st Street in Sioux Falls, and you can join them during the Life uh, Chain on August 20th. Thank you, Bishop, for being with us, and we look forward to having you with us again. Coming up next, if you have a question about the faith or if you're ready to ask me a question, get those questions ready for our Straight Stock segment. That's right here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. Builtuponarockfest.com. It's the 63rd Annual PRCA Champions Ride Saddle Bronc Match, August 3rd at Home on the Range Arena. Top PRCA Cowboys compete for the title champion and collect thousands in prizes on the world's best bucking horses. Celebrate past champions or join in the live Calcutta of Cowboys on August the 2nd. The Champions Ride August 3rd at Home on the Range Arena. Exit 7 on I-94, east of Beach, North Dakota. Gates open at 10. The excitement begins at 1. Advanced tickets and information at hotrnd.com. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Events Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. 
Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it during the week at work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference is for business owners, managers, and those that seek to integrate their faith into the workplace. This year's conference features world-renowned speakers that will help you take faith principles and turn them into business practices. Learn how to take your Sunday into Monday on Thursday, August 8th at the Ramcota Hotel in Sioux Falls from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information and tickets, go to faithinbusinessconference.com. This is Real Presence Live, where the devil is dumb, Christ is king, and the Catholic faith is taking the place of secular living as the lifestyle of choice. And we're back at Real Presence Live. My name's Father Tim Smith. And I am Chris Euler. And we're broadcasting live from Sacred Heart Parish in Aberdeen on a beautiful summer day. And we're looking forward to proclaiming the truth of the gospel. And a lot of great things happening in the church, especially during these summer months. Uh, here at Sacred Heart Parish, it's their Totus Tuus weekend. And so in some of our listening area, different diocese, they have the Totus Tuus program where there are college missionaries, university University students who have taken the summer to dedicate themselves to teaching our children and young people about a deeper relationship with Christ and the church. And I know in my parish last week, we just had Totus Tuus missionaries, and it was a great group. Um, we had a lot of fun. There was a water fight. There were <laughs> times of praying the rosary, daily mass, but also in the evening, an opportunity to gather with our uh, young adults and uh, help them, you know, encounter Jesus. Jesus better, times of adoration and prayer. And so it's just a beautiful opportunity uh, to teach the faith. And Chris, you, you're a teacher full-time in teaching yeah. the faith. And so how do you think programs like Totus Tuus and parishes are effective? Are they, are they helpful? I think so, absolutely. Because, you know, as I find, one of the I, I'm a Catholic school product all the way from kindergarten till my senior year, and then I went to Catholic college. And I always found that as you start to live your faith, it's easier during the school year because you're always there. Yeah. And then summer comes, and you're like, whoa, new routine. I got all these different things. I don't have to get up in the morning. Like, how am I going to – what's going on here? And so I think Totus Tuus is fantastic because they come in, they come to you, and you just have to show up, and you have an experience and encounter with Jesus Christ. And I think the importance there, um, especially for, like, I'm I working with high school kids and young adults. Like, I'm, I'm so excited when I see them wanting to live their faith because, you know, we all know how the pressures of this world are and the pressures of this life, especially as you're growing through your teenage years. Um, there's a lot that you could be doing. There's a lot of stupid stuff and there's a lot of good stuff. And so I think Totus Tuus is an awesome opportunity and an awesome thing um, for them to go to, to have another encounter, to deepen their faith with Christ, especially throughout the summer, to where you're not necessarily doing the whole, I'm in school, I have a routine, um, and I have to pray at school because I'm at a Catholic school. That's right. So. And it's also an opportunity to have some fun uh, with the life of faith as well. Too. Oh, yeah. So this was my first experience. I myself was a Totus Tuus missionary uh, probably about 10 years ago. And now <laughs> it was my first time to do it as a pastor of a parish where I'm celebrating Mass. And I'm uh, participating in you know a panel discussion about you know whatever questions you might have about faith or anything else at my parish, Holy Cross and Ipswich. It was a great opportunity just to get to know the young people in my parish better as well. Absolutely. And, uh, 
as we get ready here in these summer months, it's also a time of great change in a lot of our parishes in our listening area, whether you're in South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota. This is a time of year when a lot of a lot of dioceses have a change in, in pastor in, in different parishes for uh, any number of reasons. It might be time. I know that it, it's the case in our area. So for myself, I'm a new pastor. I've been a pastor of, a, of another parish now for just 20 days. And so there's some adjusting that comes with that yeah <laughs> and uh first thing is you have to find all your personal possessions when you move to a new place and um but also getting to know the people and and even you know celebrating mass in a new sanctuary and oh sure uh so there's a lot of learning curve on some of those things so you were in sioux falls before the cathedral yes now you moved to ipswich how is it i really enjoy the people and most especially uh, just the experience of faith, and I grew up in a f- rural farming community, and much of our listening space are people who have that same experience uh, in, a, in an environment driven by an ag economy, and so it's a beautiful community. The parishes are St. Thomas, Our Lady of Good Help, as well as Holy Cross Parish, an amazing, amazing experience of faith, and great people that love the Lord Jesus and share the faith with people in their lives. Absolutely. And so, with your move, you know, you're in Sioux Falls, you got settled in, things are going, I presume, really good. I didn't meet you until the day, I'm going to be honest, you know, but I assume things are going well in Sioux Falls, and you got the pastor job up here in Ipswich, and so, what's the hardest part of your move so far? Well, I think the most difficult thing has been uh, just... uh, just really adjusting to some of the new administrative responsibilities as a priest. And so some of those are re- responsible to administration of goods. And so mm. in, the, in the Catholic faith, we have uh, canon law, which is really like the electrical wiring and the plumbing that, that helps the church govern and function. And it's really necessary that we have certain guidelines and stipulations. And of course, in training and seminary, all priests are given uh, a good working knowledge of what those uh, responsibilities and duties are, but then putting them into practice. And so uh, prior to this, I was at a big cathedral and I served on a, on a staff with five other priests, including Bishop Swain himself. And so now uh, a lot of those responsibilities and duties I, I've been tasked with. And so just familiarizing myself with the location and the particular needs. But ultimately, Chris, I've been surrendering myself to God in prayer, and I found great consolation in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because the Lord talks about equipping the members of the church that there are varieties of gifts mm-hmm. in one spirit. And so with all our listeners, whether you have a new pastor, I would want you to pray that God would use the gifts that he has given that particular pastor to help administer and bring out the life of God in your particular parish, because God knows what he is about. The Lord is always doing something new. And so no matter where you are at, ask the Lord to use the gifts that he has equipped your particular pastor with at the service of the gospel to help your parish and your family of faith. And we read this in the scriptures, and and some may have gifts of wisdom, 
um, gifts of, of faith, gifts that are used to uh, administer even uh, certain aspects in the life of the church. Um, some may have a greater way of sharing God the Father's love, and per- perhaps there's a particular need of that in your parish. <laughs> and then sometimes there's just uh, matter-of-fact gifts that are needed. <laughs> um, uh, maybe one priest has a different style and another has another, but there there takes some time for adjustment. And you know, just to t- uh, tell a story on myself, Chris, as I was adjusting to a new sanctuary, I even forgot to say the, the creed after the homily. <laughs> in one of my parishes because I was just everything was so new I wasn't in the cathedral anymore and my mind after I got done preaching a, a homily I sat down and I immediately went into the petitions and confused everybody right away and I thought, boy, they must think, this guy is awful. He doesn't know what he's doing at all. He doesn't, he doesn't even know what he believes. Yeah, he doesn't even know how to say the creed. Uh, of course, you, you you laugh, and then you start the creed to say, oh, before oh, we do the sorry. we're going to do the creed now. You know? Absolutely. And, uh, and talking to other priests, I know many of them have had the same experience, you know. And uh, the people are gracious and, and very welcoming. Absolutely. I was going to say, on the other side of the... Well, the sort of quote-unquote communion rail mm-hmm. that uh, many churches do not have these days, but it's, it is what it is. Like, noticing the changes in priests. And I've been part of parishes where priests have moved, have changed. I've been part of schools where we've had one chaplain come in, one chaplain come out. And the beauty of the different gifts that each one carries is so amazing. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of our, uh, us, the faithful, tend to say, oh, man, this priest had great homilies, but this one's not as great of a preacher, or this one's a great confessor, and he's, like, this one's not as great. And so we compare all the time. And so be careful, faithful. Be careful to compare, because there's beauty in each priest. There's beauty, because it's not about the priest at the end of the day anyway. It's about the Mass. It's about the sacraments. And so the beauty that you have and the gift that you've been given of our faith and the deposit of faith through each of these priests, regardless of their gifts, is beautiful because it is of Christ. And like, Father, like you were saying, each priest and each person has their many gifts and their one way from this one body. And we have to pray for them and their needs are there and God provides. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Well, there we go. It's time now for our live Straight Talk segment, and this is your opportunity to share your questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things that are happening in the world around us with our local host and with me and Chris. And when you hear that sound, please give us a call at 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. You can also submit questions on our Real Presence Radio Facebook page, or you can send an email question as well on uh, yourcatholicradiostation.org. And so, again, our number is 877 877- Seven nine five zero one two two. We're happy to take listener questions, and of course, there's so many great opportunities on Catholic Radio to call in. Whether you have a question about one of the teachings of the faith, um, Chris is a, is an excellent teacher and 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 doing faith formation. Maybe you have a question about uh, share, keeping your young person uh, involved in the faith during these summer months. I know as a as a teacher and a catechist, Chris would be happy to give some direction, and and I have a few thoughts on that as well. 
Um, and of course, in the world today, it can seem like things are so uh, distracting. There's a, a lot of things that are in the world. What does it mean to live faith and to be persistent in prayer, even in the midst of turmoil today? So, Chris, we had a beautiful example in the gospel this weekend of, uh, I mentioned it with Bishop Swain about uh, this theme of being persistent in prayer. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the first reading from the book of Genesis, we have uh, this Abraham beseeching the Lord God to have mercy on Sodom and Gomorrah. So, uh, for most people, uh, even a cursory knowledge of the scriptures in the Old Testament, they're aware of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, if I turned on television, uh, you know, today and I would look at some of the negative things in the world, I can think, man, that is really bad wickedness. You know, there's bad things happening in, in the life of the world today. Could easily become despairing or frustrated. Um, but that witness of Abraham, our father, is to say, Lord, are there righteous people among you? Um, are there people that are here? And certainly, if we look in the life of the church, we see so much goodness mm-hmm. and that guards us against that, that despair. I, I really appreciate your your you know, encouragement of us in not comparing, you know, pastors with one another, but also even comparing, you know, what's on television, what's really happening in our own communities, because there are so many areas of of light and life. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's like you're saying, like you see, you turn on the news channel, whatever it be, CNN, Fox, um, or you follow any Catholic news agencies even. Like mm-hmm. certain ones, like they make these ludicrous claims about all these ludicrous things. And it, people get discouraged and they get upset about this or that within the world and within the church. And so like remaining focused on what the truth of our faith teaches and remaining focused on what it's all about. Relationship with Jesus Christ, getting to know and love Jesus Christ. And one day getting to heaven and hopefully bringing a whole host of folks with you because you love them no matter what circumstances are going on in the world. And so it's such a beautiful thing and it's such an interesting thing because our human nature, our fallen human nature is like, ah, this evil is in this world. We have to do something about it. And we don't realize that we're not created for that. Yeah. We are created for so much more. And it's like Augustine has, you know, his city of God and his city of earth and recognizing that this earth is just fleeting. Yes, there's beauty. God created all good, but, but we're created for more. Amen to that. Uh, give us a call at our Straight Talk second, 877-795-0122. We're right now just kind of talking about how we can be witnesses to hope and stay rooted in hope, even in the midst of when there's uh, darkness or bad news or things that would lead us down to despair. But if you have a question about the Catholic faith, if you have a question about prayer, faith formation, um, how to live the faith, maybe there's something about the scriptures that you heard this past Sunday that you were thought-provoking, give us a call, 877-795-0122. You can also leave us a message on our Real Presence Live Facebook page, and you can submit those through any device. You can also always listen to Real Presence Radio on a Real Presence Radio listening app, and then that's where also past episodes are also uh, you know on there. You can listen to them wherever you're at, even if you're out of our listening area on a smartphone or a tablet or any other device. And you can also access all the EWTN listening programs that we have right here on Real Presence Radio. Can I, can we, so while we're waiting here, 
as I was thinking, you know, we interviewed Bishop Swain about praying outside of Planned Parenthood. And speaking of the news, yeah. right, things that we see that are maybe despairing, this week our federal administration uh, enacted something that hasn't been used since 2003, and that is the death penalty. Mm. And so uh, I believe there's 13 people that have now been scheduled to be put to death uh, federally. And so I know a lot of people, and I'm, I'm not to get political or anything, but at the end of the day, it's like, we as Catholics cannot support that, right? In this first world country, especially. And so can you talk more to that about what the, the, what we as Catholics need to respond with that? Because abortion is one thing and it's atrocious, but this death penalty and what our administration has done with that is another thing. Certainly. Well, this is a topic that's received uh, special attention in the last year or so as uh, uh, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, has released particular teachings on that. And there's some conversation between different theologians about are there circumstances where the, you know, the death penalty would be permissible. Um, now, that being said, we always maintain and uphold the dignity of human life. We always maintain this opportunity for human beings to have redemption, to have a conversion experience like you were saying earlier this morning in the life of the church today. Here in our own particular state where we're broadcasting from here in the state of South Dakota, we do have capital punishment. And so even just this past fall, um, there was someone who uh, was receiving the death penalty. That person was a member of the church. That person received sacramental care. That person received the same Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the same sacrament of reconciliation as you and I and many of our listeners do who are members of the church. And so we recognize that our brother or our sister in Christ, who has perhaps committed egregious crimes, at the same time, we want to hold out for them their dignity and their worth as a human person. The circumstances of all these different individuals that are on these death rows, each person has a story, each person has circumstances, but objectively, they all have human dignity. And so to be consistent in our Catholic teaching, we always want to uphold the dignity of human life and the fact that God has a plan for everybody for eternal life in heaven. We want to live in accordance with that and how we govern, how we rule, how we live in our families, and how we teach. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Father. It's true. We are very, very worth it, Our every single life, every single person. And so it looks like we have our first listener question coming on in. So, Father, I'll, 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 I'll uh, let you take this one here. And the listener asks, in Genesis, we read about Jacob and Esau. They had a broken relationship, but at one point they have a reconciliation and healing when Jacob returns to his homeland. Can you talk about the importance of reconciliation and healing of wounds with their family when the time is right? Well, that's a beautiful question. And oh, absolutely. Excellent. And what I really love about this, this listener's question is how much a reading of the scriptures is not just historical or critical, but it goes to the heart. Certainly, there is an account of this relationship between Jacob and Esau, how it was strained. We can read about later on in the book of Genesis with Joseph and his brothers. Another great example of Genesis where we see about how they once traded him out and later on they were reconciled with one another. The reading of the scriptures moves to the spiritual lens when we see how does this apply to my own relationship with my own siblings. 
Chris, I come from a family with brothers and sisters. How about you? I got two brothers. And you know what? I can stand right here as a minister of the church and a minister of the gospels and to say, even today, it's not always easy to love my brother. Amen. With a text message, with a phone call. Some days you catch someone on a wrong day and you might think, what's their problem? Yeah. They might catch me on a wrong day after celebrating a couple of masses and they'll be like, well, I wonder why my priest brother doesn't want to talk to me so much. Sure. But that yeah. being said, like uh, there is a time where when it's right, we want to offer that love and mercy just as Jesus himself. So who's our model in everything and following the life of the church is Jesus Christ himself. We can look at the, the, the greatest story ever told, the story of the prodigal son, Jesus's own teaching, and how in the Gospel of Luke, we can really recognize that are we? sometimes we're that older brother, sometimes we're the younger prodigal brother, but we can recognize that Jesus's witness to us is always to live in the Father's love. Mm. You know, one thing I can say, and the questioner, the, you know, the, the question was, when is the time right? You know, when I go to the hospital and I visit with a family to administer the last rites. I give someone the sacrament of holy anointing, and I'll give them the prayers for the dying. And usually I'm gathered around with families who I've never even met before. But just like we said, Chris, they're a family just like we have families. And I'm, I'm pretty certain that most time there is sometimes unresolved things that need to be said, mm -hmm. some forgiveness that needs to be offered, uh, some expressions of mercy and love, even just saying, I love you, mom. I love you, dad. I love you. You're, I, I, maybe I wasn't the best brother, but I, I, I'm sorry for that. And I tell everybody when I'm in those hospital rooms or those emergency situations, use this time. Now is the time to be reconciled with the person that you loved. Maybe you had some sort of regret or shame or remorse. But the scriptures are beautiful testimonies to us on how to be reconciled in God's love. And so what a beautiful question about this, this relationship between Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers, the story of the prodigal son, um, how often maybe we become that older brother, especially members in the church who love Christ, who love the sacraments. But sometimes uh, we can easily say, you know, that we have, might have a prodigal in our life that who isn't living the life of the church. How can we love them? How can we be a witness to Christ's mercy? And uh, there's countless ways, but most, most importantly is to stay united to Jesus in prayer, and the Holy Spirit will lead you to know when that time is right. Right. And, you know, and playing off the prodigal son story, too, the whole principle and I, I, the hate the sin, love the sinner. Yeah. And that's a great principle of it. And... So many people in our day and age, and I find today, um, that there's this radicalness of either one side or the other side. Mm. The radicalness of, that's a sinful act, have nothing to do with them until they repent. And the other side where it's, well, it's okay, like, you messed up, I'm going to love you, but if you mess up again, like, it's okay. Like, remember, we got to find that fine line, folks, about... Loving people where they're at. And it's not easy. And so be persistent in prayer. Stay rooted in Jesus Christ because love them no matter what. But don't dismiss any hardships or anything because you want heaven for everybody and we want heaven for everybody. And so allow yourself to be transformed and help them be transformed at the same time with great love. 
that's that is the the crux of it is that being persistent in prayer and we have another questioner online uh the question is at the first reading at mass this sunday we we heard about abraham pleading the lord to spare sodom and gomorrah sometimes it may be easy to be not as persistent in prayer and the question is how can we grow strength in our prayer being persistent in prayer and Hmm. Chris, my my response to this is to live as brothers and sisters in Christ and to unite our prayers with one another. So, Chris, I'll give you an example. This last Lent, I did Exodus 90 with hey, a group me of too. men. Hey, brother, way to go. Rock and and I happen to know a lot of our Real Presence radio staff, some of the other men. They also were <laughs> part of Exodus 90. and. Uh, you know, and I know around the area at different parishes, there were pockets of men, you know, sometimes five to seven men who would gather together and they would unite in prayer and they would have particular intentions, things in their life that they wanted to grow in virtue and in strength. And Chris, wasn't that when we were doing Exodus 90, even with, even though we were part of different men's mm-hmm. groups, wasn't there a greater strength to be persistent when I knew I had my brothers who, when we were going to get together the next week, we would gather around the Eucharist, we would maybe right. do have Mass, or we would do adoration together. You know, even after Exodus 90 ended, I still would get together once a month with my Exodus 90 brothers. So even before I moved to my new parish, we spent an hour in Eucharistic adoration, we gathered together and had coffee, and then we talked about our lives. And the challenges, the hardships, the new things, uh-huh. um, the fears, the anxieties, and our friendship with one another helped us stay persistent in prayer. Second thing is this. There was a mom's group that was also in my parish. So it wasn't even a national program like Exodus 90, but they would do a, a scripture study and then they would pray for each other. And I know that that was the heart of their life, that they would gather together, they would share about their children, they would share about the prodigals that they had mm-hmm. in their own lives, but they would also share about their grandchildren, changes of a life, retirements, and just that persistence in prayer started when they lived as brothers and sisters. They lived that koinonia, that cute community that has always been at the heart of the church. From the very beginning, when members of the church gathered under Solomon's portico in the city of Jerusalem, mm. they would say, who are those people gathering over there? Or those are the members of the church. That's Peter and his followers. They're followers of Jesus Christ. And it's that mutual sharing and faith is what, what, what has been the fuel for the entire life of the church these 2,000 years. Right, exactly. And as you look, like you said, you look at the history of the church and you look at all the, it's, it's community. It's that koinonia like you mentioned. And the community, if it's a good community, they challenge you to lead that interior life. And if you're not living the interior life that is necessity for your salvation and for your holiness, a good community is going to call you out. And a good community is going to hold you accountable, and they're going to love you. And so it's so beautiful, and I can relate to that 100% with Exodus 90, to have that awesome, awesome community. Like, that's a big way to build your prayer life, is to be around people that are going to challenge you and love you. And it's such a gift, you know, most especially to... uh just, you know, share that life of faith with one another and uh, to, to see what the Lord is all about. Chris, is there any other questions that we have? Let me see. We've got two more. So here's here's one we got. Uh, seminarian Mitchell McLaughlin is going to ask us on Facebook. Here we go. We have, where does the apostolic pardon originate in the tradition of the church? 
Well, that's this is fun. That's great. <laughs> I, I know I know seminarian Mitchell, so that's a look it up question. Yeah, I was going to say seminarian, but for all the sake of our listeners, uh, just to talk about the apostolic pardon. And so I spoke br- uh, briefly uh, about going to a hospital and and praying the last rites. Mm. And so one of the last rites, and this is a good thing for all our listeners to know, is that there is a a prayer of the apostolic pardon. Uh, It's a a prayer that through the authority of the apostolic see, so the, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, by the authority of the apostolic see, every priest is given this this faculty that that is a is a pardon from and the remission of the punishment from all sins committed in this life. And so, with that is also the presumption that you've received the sacraments of holy anointing or confession, and that you've received that sacramental forgiveness of your sins. We're Catholics; we believe in sacramental forgiveness. Ultimately. If we look to the scriptures themselves, we can look at Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus Christ instituted the church and he said, uh, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whoever sins you forgiven are forgiven them and whoever sins you retain are retained. So Mitchell, it's from Jesus himself in the scriptures. (laughs) However, uh, how that's in the rituals, um, I'm not a liturgical uh, expert, so I would encourage you to look that up, and that's perhaps something we can answer for our listeners on another week's segment of, of Straight Talk later this week about the apostolic pardon and where that originated in the ritual. What right. other questions? Absolutely. Here we go. We've got another one here. So uh, the listener asks, I recently went to a charism gift seminar and had my interview to help discern my gift. How do I know if I'm really re- really receiving the gifts or just forcing my own will versus God's will? Well, that's great. My presumption would be that uh, they went to the Catherine of Siena Institute Charisms uh, Gifts Workshop. That's one of the popular ones, and that comes from the, the Siena Institute is a kind of a outreach of the, the central Dominican province, and they travel around parishes in the United States, and they do this a kind of a, a spiritual gifts inventory. So you would kind of fulfill a questionnaire, you would maybe would listen to a facilitator who's been trained, and then they would kind of encourage you to look at some of those scriptures. In fact, the one we talked about earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are many gifts, you know, discernment of these gifts. And with that, you would want to know um, you know, am I receiving these gifts? Do I have the charism to hospitality? Do I have the charism for administration? Um, there's other gifts of the Spirit that, that charisms, uh, workings of the Spirit in terms of works of mercy. You know, do I, do I, do I come alive when I work at St. Vincent de Paul or one of the Bishop Dudley House or St. Francis House or any of the other uh, outreaches that we have in our listening area? Well, one would say, well, how do I know if I'm just saying, like, I'm going about doing these, these works of Christian charity, these works of mercy, and I think, well, I have a gift for this. Well, how do I know if I'm just forcing my own will, or am I just busying myself with Christian works? Mm-hmm. And this is the teaching of the Siena Institute, but it also is uh, really comes from even a good spiritual director in the discernment of spirits to understand, you know, one's relationship with Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit is what are the effects of doing these activities. And so we test the spirits, we test charisms. We want to know if I go to the, so let's take, take a step back. And if, 
if I'm talking to a young woman who's discerning consecrated life, and if I say, I would say, okay, there's many, many different great religious orders in consecrated life. There are contemplative orders. There are active orders. There are those who work in an apostolate. I said, when you see yourself, there are some who are active contemplative, not to make it too complicated, <laughs> like the Missionaries of Charity of Mother <laughs> Teresa. But, you know, when you think about uh, living consecrated life, I would ask the woman, I would say, do you, you, you like St. Therese of Lisieux? Are you drawn to Carmelite spirituality, which is contemplative? You would be in a cloister, which means you would be living this deep interior life and relationship with Christ in the community, times of particular expressions of prayer. Is that something you're drawn to? Keep in mind, you're not going to be traveling. Or would you like to live as an apostolic sister who is out doing any number of apostolates? And in today, we have apostolic sisters that do any number of things. If you walk around the city of Rome, you'll see apostolic sisters on the bus, on the train, running around doing all sorts of active works in the life of the church, still taking those evangelical counsels, but doing it in a way that is focused on an apostolate. That particular person would say, in my experience of the charisms and the the gifts God has given me, I do feel drawn to living in a cloister dedicated to prayer, that silent life as St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, um, you know, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, some of the great contemplative saints. On the other hand, that person would recognize in their own soul, I feel drawn to be in the world, to be that witness as, as a bride of Christ, to be doing those active apostolic works. In that example, that person is going to recognize the consolation that comes from living out of the particular gifts that God has given them. But perhaps uh, in the same sense, if we're living this in our, in our own parish life, if you say, well, I'm, I'm more of a, I really come alive. We all have people in our parishes who come alive doing works of hospitality, mm -hmm. whether it's working in funeral luncheons, whether we have members of, of Knights of Columbus who loved the pancake breakfast. They're, they're just ready to grab the syrup bottle whenever it's time. <laughs> you want to do a pancake breakfast, Father? <laughs> well, part of it is there's a real joy and an excitement that comes from serving others. Right. You know, this discernment of spirits is not complicated when we recognize that the Holy Spirit works through our lives and you see the joy in their hearts that, that that's how they, they enjoy serving. They enjoy that gift of hospitality. So the question is, you can understand how you're, you're exercising these, this charism is what brings you joy, what brings you peace. If you're full of anxiety, if you're full of frustration and despair, then it's probably not of God, but talk to your parish priest and a good spiritual director or a counselor. You may not need a full-time spiritual director. Just have a good confession or talk to Father outside of confession and ask him some questions. That's all you need, and he'll lead you on the right path. Right. Call-in number is 877-795-0122. We've got a couple more minutes for questions here if any of you guys have any to call in. So uh, please do. Father, that was pretty good. I like that. That's so so important in our life today, though. And sometimes we can find ourselves. Uh, maybe we, you know, the Lord has used us in a in a particular ministry for a for a period of time. Um, there are so many great. Uh, organizations in the church there are different movements with different charisms mm -hmm. so in the same way i would encourage someone too they would say well how do i know if i'm called to um, follow one of these uh 
these movements that are in the life of the church. I can think of uh, communio liberazione, communion and liberation, mm-hmm. or uh, I could think of charismatic renewal, or I could think of Schoenstatt movement, which is a Marian movement. We have we have Schoenstatt and, and some some of our listening area. Beautiful Marian movement, and it's a family movement where mm-hmm. you live Catholic life as a family um, dedicated in, in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary and a particular spirituality. Well, you know, perhaps you are called to live that charism or that or that particular spirituality of that movement but see how it manifests itself in your life in your spiritual life are you experiencing that joy that peace that that relationship with christ or is it say and that's fine if it's not for you that's just fine you know the church is very large Mm -hmm. and there are many different ways to live in the spirit and so just acknowledge when when a particular movement isn't for you maybe maybe i'm not a knights of columbus person i'm i myself chris fourth degree member knights of columbus but second at the same time uh you know we have to recognize that within ourselves. right and like as you quoted earlier from corinthians many parts we are many parts we are all one body we all come together to make something beautiful and to do something beautiful as a church. We all have different gifts, and that's okay. Yeah. Like, not everybody's going to go and be a priest. Not everybody's going to go and be a married man or a married woman, and that's okay. And so, and, and I'm going to be honest, for me, I love, I get so great joy. Like, I see a religious sister coming to room. I'm like, hello. Like, yeah. You're the coolest because I just, you're amazing. Because they're living their vocation and they're so joyful and you can just tell. And so when someone is in their true vocation, the joy just exudes and it's just such a beautiful thing. And so go for it, man. Go for it. And it really is a a gift of, uh, for, for us to recognize, you know, uh, for those who are just coming to know the church in a deeper way, it can be really confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what's Catholic? Well, there are nuns. There, what's a Monsignor? What's uh, mm-hmm. what's the Knights of Columbus or a Catholic daughter? Or uh, or I did become Catholic, and then I got invited to this little group that meets in the parish, and I don't know what they do, but they say certain prayers. They say the Angelus, and I don't know what that's all about. I can tell <laughs> it's from the Bible, or I'm learning about the Rosary, or what's this Divine Mercy thing? Right. You know, there are so many things in the parts of Christ's body, the church, and so, so many different ways to experience uh, friendship and that, that deeper conversion with Jesus. I love it all because I, I love all things of God, <laughs> and part of my, my enthusiasm comes from wanting to know what those things are, while at the same time recognize you don't have to throw yourself into everything, but you can learn and understand. And what I love most of all is to see how these experiences of faith, in these different apostolates, organizations, ecclesial movements, church movements, how all of them bring about a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ and the church in the hearts of the faithful. And that's what's most beautiful, because as we teach the faith to our young people, our families, that there is so much more in our universal Catholic faith, one and a half billion strong throughout the world and growing more and more every day. And so what a gift it is to be a member of Christ's body of the church. Absolutely. Well, there's that kind of wraps it up for our straight talk segment. Uh, there is uh, so much more that uh, that we can always talk about our Catholic faith. And if you have questions in the future, you can always send them in beforehand, our straight talk segment. And you can always do that by sending an email. You can go to yourcatholicradiostation.com. You can also go to our Facebook page and submit those questions beforehand. Or you can... Uh, 
put a mo- note on your Google calendar on your smartphone or whatever calendar you might have and say, I'm going to call in tomorrow because this is a question I've had for a while. And you can grow in a deeper knowledge of your faith. We thank everyone who's called in or sent in their questions. And you can do this every day. A segment is on at 930 Get ready as we continue to see what's going on in our Prayerfully Yours segment right here on Real Presence Live. This is Father Tim Smith and Chris Euler saying, stay with us. <laughs> 